0: Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, Episode 65. We're not in Kansas anymore. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. So if you're new to the show, we bring in NASA experts to talk about all different parts of our space agency. Sometimes we get lucky enough to bring in astronauts and talk about their story. And today we're talking with Colonel Tyler Haig. Goes by Nick. He's a U.S. astronaut and an Air Force colonel, and he's about to launch to the International Space Station here in October for his very first spaceflight. We talked about his education studying astronautical and aeronautical engineering, and his time in the U.S. Air Force, uh, and his training and expectations before his first trip to space. Also we were lucky enough for Lieutenant Colonel Katie Haig, his wife, to stop by the studio and uh, talk about their family life, and the expectations of how his spaceflight is going to be on their family. So, with no further delay, let's go light speed and jump right ahead to our talk with Nick and Katie Haig. Enjoy.
1: T minus five seconds and counting.
0: Mark. Mark's we'll commit by a search for the rest. here she goes. Issue, we have a podcast. Nick, thank you so much for joining me today to uh, tell your story. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be with you. So I kind of wanted to start from your humble beginnings um, in Kansas. You know, you're growing up in a small town there, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, I grew up in a few different small towns. Yeah. Uh, I graduated from Hoxie, Kansas, out in northwest Kansas. Hmm. Uh, my parents are educators, and so we moved around a couple different times uh, through my, you know, K-12 education. Um but yeah, I'm a, I'm a Kansas product.
0: <laughs> what do they teach?
1: Uh, so my dad was a high school football coach, uh, and then he got into administration and uh, retired as a superintendent. My mother is a, uh, is a uh, fifth grade uh, elementary educator. Okay. Yeah.
0: Do you know what, what subject she teaches?
1: So it was social studies. Social studies, yeah, okay. Social studies and reading.
0: Okay. Seems like your dad. Um, I mean, it seems like he kind of moved his way up the chain. He like a true leader. Then, did you take a lot of influence and, and inspiration from him?
1: Yeah, you know, I I took a lot of insp- inspiration and influence from my parents. They they've instilled in me the whole you know work ethic and a, nothing comes easy. You're gonna have to try. You're gonna you're gonna stumble. You're gonna fall. You're gonna get a you know bloody knee or and but you gotta get up and dust yourself off and keep going. So. Um, they they instilled in me the the idea of you know right and wrong and and just uh the importance of uh hard days work and and but i think uh you know most importantly they always believed in me and taught me to believe in myself
0: that's pretty important yeah did your dad ever um uh, push football on you or any kind of sports um so
1: Growing up in, in rural America, um, you know, I graduated with a high school class of, of 39 people. So it was wow. a small class. If we wanted an athletic team, pretty much everybody had to play. So <laughs> I played football yeah. and basketball and baseball and ran in track and, and did a bunch of other stuff too, um, which I think is, I mean, that's a little secret about growing up in rural America. You, you, people tend to focus on all the things that are missing, But there's a lot of opportunity there if you go into a really big really big high school you may only be able to do one sport you know I was able to do four sports and be on the debate team and do forensics and and do all of these other things um so there's 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 something special about growing up in a small town
0: yeah I know for me personally I mean uh well, I grew I graduated, I think, five hundred and thirty. I was yeah. A, yeah, I was a little bigger yeah. of a class and I tried every sport, but yeah. I was just awful. So that's yeah. why I stuck with <laughs> I ended up being in the media room. I was editing videos well, instead. That was I, just how I I
1: told you to I played a lot of sports. I didn't say I was <laughs> great successful. at a lot of sports. <laughs>
0: Um, so, uh, you know, the next step for you, uh, you know, after graduating was the Air Force Academy. I'm guessing somewhere along the line in early education was some sort of influence for STEM, math, science, some kind of interest there. Do you know when that sparked? You know, I, ever since
1: I can remember, I've always just kind of, math has come a little mm-hmm. bit easy, uh, and I've always been interested in how things work. You know, Finding a broken toy and putting it back together, building Legos—you know—all yeah. those things that kids do—I um, I just naturally gravitated towards those. Um, and you, you know, the the idea of being an engineer—I don't think I really appreciated that until I was a senior in college, right at the at the Air Force Academy. That hey, I'm an engineer. You know, now when I look at look at my, look at my sons, you know, I can see engineer tendencies <laughs> and i and i know that that someday that you know they may come to that realization oh i'm an engineer too but yeah. it's uh when i was growing up it was just i i did the the things that i enjoyed and i gravitated towards engineering and physics you know and math and mm-hmm. and uh i it just uh came a little easier and i guess that's why I like to do it.
0: You just found, like, a natural talent for it. You're like, I'm, I'm good at this, and I, th- I think I can be successful at
1: it. Yeah, and, and maybe it's as much of a, I like puzzles. And so yeah. it's constantly being thrown a new puzzle, a new, you know, math problem, a new, hey, design this. It's, mm-hmm. it's all about puzzles.
0: Yeah, fixing things and then stepping back and looking at the thing you fixed and kind of feeling proud about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So where did the Air Force Academy come in? What made you want to pursue the Air Force over other options?
1: Yeah, so um, you know, kind of my first exposure to the Air Force Academy was on one of these uh, these education uh, conferences that my parents would go to over over the summer, and it was up in Denver and uh, colorado springs where the air force academy is located is just a little south of denver and one of those uh you know side excursions that the conference organized was a trip to the air force academy Hmm. so my parents took me along and that was my exposure to it and and i saw you know just the the structure and the just the the way of life it was it was it was something that just there was a spark there and i was like hey you know i i'd be interested in going to school here and you know that was in junior high and then i spent the next couple years trying to to meet uh you know, meet the, the representatives that I was going to need a congressional appointment from, mm-hmm. uh, writing letters to their offices saying, hey, I'm in ninth grade and I'm interested. Don't forget about me. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be looking for an appointment here in four years. And so that that was a long process. But it also taught me that, you, you know, once I finally got accepted to the academy that, hey, you know, investing the time can really produce results.
0: Yeah. It was that it was that visit though. I mean you you kind of when you were there you imagined yourself there yeah. and realized that this is something that I can actually fit in. I would like to be here and be successful yeah. here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and it was it's grown more within me now but it's mm-hmm. this this idea that hey, I want to be part of something big. And maybe it's because I came from, you know, a small town in Western Kansas where you feel like you're not part of something big and the rest of the world seems like it's a long ways away. Right. You know, all you see all this stuff happening on the news and it doesn't seem like it really affects anything that's going on because you're so removed from all that. Yeah. And, and so the idea of being part of something big, serving the country, being in the Air Force, um, I think that that made that really really exciting,
0: It was like this sort of distant sort of idea you know you're you're living in your remote town, but it's like wow it's it's almost like a fairy tale land kind of out 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 there, you know something if I can go there and achieve, imagine what's possible almost
1: yeah it's it's a uh, you know it's it's trying to to chase an opportunity, yeah. yeah.
0: So uh, I noticed that uh, you graduated with a bachelor's in astronautical engineering. So it seems like space was already something that influenced you along, maybe maybe it was the Air Force or maybe it was before that. Where did
1: Yeah, but, uh, so I grew up staring at the night sky. Oh, And, yeah. and so I was interested in, in space and the idea of exploration and, and you know, the Air Force Academy uh, at that time you know, when I was looking around at all my options that was the place to go study astro um Mm -hmm. that was the astronautical engineering program that they had there you know i when i graduated i had actually worked on building a satellite and then you know they're still doing that today but you know it was one of the first places in the world where undergraduate students were building satellites that were going to fly on their own um so it was just an awesome opportunity and uh and when I went there, it was with the idea that, hey, you know, I want to get involved with that part of it. I want to get involved with space, with engineering, and this is how it all kind of comes together. Hmm.
0: So what made it made you want to continue your education then? Because you, you kept going for aeronautical and astronautical
1: engineering. Yeah, so uh, following graduation from the Air Force Academy, uh, I was fortunate enough to get a fellowship to go to MIT, ah. um, a school that... Uh, that I would have never guessed that I would have been able to uh, um, get accepted to. So I thank the uh, the Air Force Academy uh, for that. Um, but yeah, so I continued to pursue that. I wanted to try to understand better. It's always that idea of you know continual self improvement. I want to know more about what I learned about. You keep peeling away, you know, layers of the onion, trying to find out what's below. Right. Um, so that was that was a lot of fun. It was a completely different experience going to you know uh, college and you know going to graduate school in Boston and going to the Air Force <laughs> Academy uh, in Colorado. Yeah. Uh, but it was eye-opening uh, because of that stark difference.
0: Eye-opening and cold. You seem to like cold places. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've changed that now, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now being in Houston a little bit differently. Uh, at what point did you meet your wife, Katie? Speak of the devil. <laughs> hey. She, she Katie, you wanna come here? Sure. You can participate. <laughs> Do I have a choice? You don't have to.
1: <laughs> we're doing a podcast. Yeah.
0: Was so was this, uh, did you guys meet um, what, during your bachelor's? Or, or uh, I'm yeah, guessing so there, the right? Fo- yeah, at the Air Force Academy. Yeah.
1: Um, at the Air Force Academy, we, uh, we both graduated in 1998. So we were in the same squadron the last two years there. Okay. Uh, it's kind of funny, you know, we had lunch together every day for two years.
0: Really? Really. As friends? Right. (laughs) We didn't didn't get married until two
1: years after graduation. Okay. So,
0: uh, yeah. It was just... So what were you studying? Were you studying... I were was, you stu- similar programs?
2: I was studying law.
0: Law. Okay, yes. so not similar. Not but similar. Just the same kind of.
2: <laughs> I am yeah, not as smart academy. on the technical side. Let's put it that way. But uh, yeah, I studied uh, law, and then at the academy, it's a combination of um, engineering and whatever you major in. Mm-hmm. So we wind up getting a bachelor of science degree in whatever it is that we we're, we're studying. So I have a bachelor of science degree in law. Okay. It's very interesting.
1: It's unique. (laughs) Every cadet takes astronautical engineering and learns about orbits.
0: Really?
2: I I did not do as well (laughs) as Nick in that, but I tried really hard.
0: (laughs) So why did you choose the uh, Air Force Academy for law then?
2: Um, Well, I didn't. I actually chose it because I wanted to fly. Oh, Um, okay. Originally, I wanted to be a pilot, and then um, I got to the Air Force Academy and found out that I was too short because I'm only 5'1", and you Ooh. have to be 5'4". Should have done better research. Um, so, uh, so I kind of changed my tune and decided that that's kind of what I wanted to, to study. My whole family is a bunch of lawyers and judges, and so it's been something I grew up with, and it was very interesting to me.
0: Um, mm. Were you naturally good at it? Like Nick was naturally good at math and I'm science. I'm very
2: good at arguing. At all. Yes, <laughs> and, and winning arguments as he can attest. You're the, to. You're in the right <laughs> yes, field. I can vouch.
0: You're in the right field. <laughs> so how did you how did you meet and start having lunch then?
1: So in the in a squadron. So the the cadet wing is organized in groups uh, of squadrons. And so there's about 120 cadets in a given squadron, and and all of those will sit at and have like a family-style lunch uh, every day. So tables of 10 with seniors and juniors and sophomores and freshmen, mm-hmm. and we just happen to sit at the same table. And you, you kind of find the people you're comfortable with, and you have lunch with them over and over and over again, and, and uh, yeah, so
2: eventually you
0: like them but it takes a few years <laughs> it so. took me it
1: took me a long time to wear her down <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it worked and you say you start eating date till afterwards right
1: yeah so we had a yeah. long distance relationship for the first two years that's where i was gonna go graduation yeah
0: yeah so how was that how was how was fitting that into regular life it was uh, it was difficult
2: um but it was manageable i mean we didn't have kids at the time right so it was Hmm. kind of easier because you could hop on a plane after work and fly up to boston i was down at tyndall air force base um doing public affairs which is my career field mine too so i know (laughs) it's the best ever (laughs) next to being an astronaut Uh, okay that's kind of (laughs) cool
0: we're sitting next to nick
2: (laughs) (laughs) but um so it wasn't too hard to and he was doing academics as well so his schedule Hmm. wasn't as crazy as as mine was at times, so we were able to fly back and forth. But not, it's still, not ideal. It's, but still, it's still difficult you know, <laughs> seeing
1: every, each other. You know, a weekend once every two to three weeks, right. three to four weeks. Yeah,
0: yeah. and it's yeah. become a normal part of your life. You know, reading through your biography, it seems like you had a couple of deployments too. And I and, I, and just from overhearing your interview before this, yeah. it seems like you were deployed as well.
2: Mm-hmm. So you yeah. were, you
0: were used to the long distance thing.
2: Yeah, you do get used to it. Um, it's still very difficult, especially, I I would say I didn't realize how, how difficult it was with kids Uh. until (laughs) we had uh, our oldest and uh, I wound up getting the call to deploy for a year to Iraq and he had just turned one years old. So that was a rough one. That was probably the hardest deployment I'd ever done because it was, I left when he was one and I came back when he was two and he was walking and (laughs) doing all kinds of things and i didn't know i didn't know him it was it was rough so that was probably the hardest deployment
1: it was the hardest for me. Yes, we know. I was doing... Yes, <laughs> yes. Were you doing <laughs> a lot of the work this, The single-parent uh, yeah. single job is not easy. I right. have immense appreciation for single parents out there.
0: Yeah. Okay. You know, this makes me think about uh, long-distance space travel. You know, you see it all the time in the movies, you know, like uh, the video conferencing and stuff. But as we go further out into the solar system. You feel maybe a little bit more isolated, but that communication, you still need to maintain it. You got to mm-hmm. feel connected to earth. And I'm sure you're going to plan to do the same thing on the International Space Station, Nick.
1: No, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, a, it's an important part because life doesn't stop at home. You know, mm-hmm. when I stayed back on that deployment, that's what I realized is that, you know, life at home doesn't stop. Things continue to happen, you know, everyday life happens and mm-hmm. it changes the people that are back at home and so staying con- connected so that you can understand what they're going through is important you know I, it's not just about me up there having my experience it's about what the family is experiencing both on the ground and on orbit
0: right you know because you only you have your personal ambitions right you have your 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 work ambitions but once family comes into the picture that's a whole new thing right mm-hmm. now now you have family to take care of you love and you have to balance that short amount of time we get every day mm-hmm. uh, and and prioritize what things you're gonna you know you're gonna dedicate this amount of time to work this amount, mm-hmm. uh, amount of time to family communicating so I mean you guys uh, just through the deployment have have had to balance that. So, what's the? What are your tips? What are your tricks? Tactics?
1: Yeah. Um, perseverance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I, I think communication the key. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure that you just don't stop talking to each other, mm-hmm. and and always continue to share. Uh, you know, even. When you were deployed, and I know that you're having a a bad day and it's a stressful thing, but if we're having a terrible day at home, it's important to still share that so that everybody understands what everybody's going through. If you start not communicating, then that's when you start to to drift apart. That's when you start to create complications. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And I think, honestly, that's probably the the best part of being military to military Hmm. um, is the fact that he knows what it's like to be at home when I'm in an environment that's extremely dangerous and where you're living on edge every day from a vigilance standpoint. And now it's going to be reversed where I'm home and he's doing the same thing. So we both have lived that before. And so we understand that dynamic and understand how to communicate through that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's, that's probably prepared us for this uh expedition more than anything else has
0: yeah Mm -hmm. i would almost i mean you know i I would almost compare it to say that you may be a little bit more prepared than maybe other couples other families just because of the experience of having that long distance but still having to maintain you know what it takes to maintain a successful relationship Mm -hmm. uh despite the distance Mm -hmm. so um you know, tell me about some of the training that you've been doing uh, more recently, Nick, uh, to to start preparing for this flight.
1: Yeah, so that's uh, that's just kind of builds upon that uh, learning through separation. Yeah, uh, a huge chunk of the training flow leading up to launch is time spent in Star City, uh, just outside Moscow, learning how to fly the Soyuz, and uh, it's it's a lot of time away from home. It, mm-hmm. it, you know. Personally, I find it very fascinating. It's another one of those complex systems that I get to crack open the hood and see how it all works. And so the engineer in me loves the, the puzzle. Yes. Um, but it also takes you away from home a lot. So mm-hmm. that, you know, that, of that two years, I'd say about a year and a half of that has been on the road. Uh, so space flight, the separation doesn't start at launch. Right. Uh, it starts when you're assigned. Um, and it doesn't stop until you're
0: back on the ground after your mission. Wow. So, what do you do to balance it? Are you are you still maintaining the long distance communication even through the Soyuz training from Star City? Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Uh, in technology today is awesome. I, oh, remember, yeah. I remember back to the first deployment to that deployment that you did to Afghanistan. No, I'd say so. The deployment deployment to Iraq. That's when we first started messing around with doing video conferencing, right. and and being able to do that. The technology has gone so much I mean mm-hmm. it, we can just call up and whether it's Skype or FaceTime or whatever you want to use you can video call and and almost with enough frequency that you're interrupting the flow on the other end well, Hey, I've got, other I've, got, I've got work to do <laughs> stop calling me
2: <laughs> that is the, the other problem
1: the time <laughs> change you know I get done with work over there and she's just starting her work day and so I call to check in and, and then she's like I have things to do Oh yeah, you know those. You're going to have very busy
0: days on the space station. Honestly, I yeah. mean, you know, going over to Star City and learning about Soyuz systems is one thing, but there's a lot of other expectations when you're on orbit, and you're going to have very, very long days. So fitting that in is going to be important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, what are your, some of some of your ambitions whenever you go to uh, the space station? What do you really want to accomplish?
1: Oh, so just
2: survival. Yeah. <laughs> well put.
1: Well put. <laughs> yeah, it's it's get the mission done. Um, mm-hmm. I feel very fortunate to have the opportunity to go up there. Yeah. Um, it's a unique position to be, you know, to go up there and be the steward of the station and help maintain it so it continues to, to provide the awesome opportunity it provides for scientists mm-hmm. and to get to be those scientists' eyes and ears and hands and, and collect the data that, that they need. Um, to be there on that that front line and experience life in zero G, and to experience my body adapting to all of that, mm-hmm. um, just just getting the job done is the ambition, right. um, and and coming back with the you know the personal satisfaction that okay, I, I made as few mistakes as I could possibly make and I got the job done and hopefully I've advanced everything one step more hmm. and and the next guys are in a good position to take it from there.
0: Yeah, it's the, because it's the, there's a lot of demand when you're up there, right? You're mm-hmm. expected to do a lot of tasks and a lot of different tasks too, maintenance, science, mm-hmm. you know, spacewalks, what have you. Um, but I, I like your point of saying that being successful in the tasks, but also making sure that the tasks are meaningful that they have an impact on the larger goals of the agency. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff that we're looking forward to. I know one of the things you're working on now is uh, is commercial crew. So what are, what are you um, working on for there? So um, per the timeline
1: right now, uh, commercial crew, uh, there's the opportunity to have multiple of the first commercial crew launches come up and dock, whether that's the unmanned uh, uh, variants that come up and do their first test missions or whether we're there I'm there long enough that I'll see uh, the first crew rotate up. Um, it's it's a uh, it's a great milestone. Uh, you know, we're returning launch here to the U.S., which mm-hmm. I think is a great thing. But but the larger uh, point is that it provides us uh, with more resilience as a program. Uh, that we've got the ability to withstand problems with any one particular launch vehicle or spacecraft, and and still have a means to provide that continuous flow. Of, of astronauts and cosmonauts up there to keep doing the work. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, ultimately that's what it's about. We've, we've gonna have the station, You know, we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of the station in November. Right. Um, you know, so we're talking about the station having, you know, it's two decades of work. Yeah. Let's keep that going. Right. And this is just a means to, to help, help do that.
0: Yeah, to enable access to it, right. Absolutely. Um, I did want to kind of circle back because you were selected in the uh, 2013 mm-hmm. class and now you're the first astronaut assigned, the first to go up. Um, can you tell me about the training that you guys have done together as a class and are you ready? Are you ready for this task? Yeah, so uh,
1: the the first two years of training following getting selected back in 2013, mm-hmm. the, the, the astronaut candidate training. Uh, was just awesome uh, it's your first it's your first chance to dip your toe into this is what space flight's going to be like right. the first time it's so many firsts it's the first time that you try to work a robotic arm and you're mentally contorting yourself so that you can see you know three dimensions upside down and and work things backwards and and make it work um it's the first time you get to try on a spacesuit yeah. and 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 go under the water in the neutral buoyancy lab and, and go, okay, this is what a space, li- a spacewalk is gonna, gonna be like, or is this is as close that I'm gonna as feel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first time I got to feel, you know, zero G we went on you know the vomit comet and, oh that's and right we yeah. did a trip together so you share those and you come in with with you know in my case seven other people that hadn't had those experiences either and so we're experiencing them all together for the first time and so that's a that's a awesome bonding experience you know that shared experience that we have and all those firsts uh, really draws you together as a as a class yeah um so it's just those two years were were pretty awesome
0: and then you had a lot of training after that now now it's now it's time to fly
1: yeah training hasn't stopped since i walked in the door
0: <laughs> <laughs> well like you know going back to that theme of there's there's a lot that you have to know and do and, and there there's is. a lot of different things too because um commercial crew right that's going to happen during your your stay up there and that's yeah. new that's going to be a new thing for this station well, we're doing prepared. new stuff every mission yeah yeah so okay.
1: you know and there's there's focus on the commercial crew because that is a big thing mm-hmm. but there are new experiments going up all the time there's new mm-hmm. science being performed there's new capabilities and new tech demos that we're doing um it's it's you know research it may seem like we're doing the same thing over and over there to the to the person sitting on the sidelines and not paying close attention mm-hmm. but we're doing new different groundbreaking research on the station every day and we have been for almost two decades
0: mhm I want to go back to because now you're assigned. Now you're about to fly. I want to go back to the time where you got the call that you were selected to be an astronaut. Do you remember that time?
1: I do. It's 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 funny you mention it because I was actually on my way to have lunch with Katie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> really? And that's where it was lunch with Katie that you got yeah, the
1: call? it was lunch with Katie. So I was working. Which is rare. Yes, <laughs> but it was it was a day, she was in the Pentagon. Um, at in uh, in her office and I was in an office in Crystal City just just south of the Pentagon and I was getting on the elevator I had just walked out of the office we weren't allowed to have cell phones in there and so I was checking my cell phone and I saw I had a message from NASA and so uh, immediately the the heart starts beating through the chest going <laughs> okay well we find out if this is it or not yeah um, so side side note that was Less of a reaction, or maybe it might have been more of a reaction. I had had the call before and gotten the bad call
0: a oh, few years earlier. So, okay. so
1: I I listened to the voicemail, and so as soon as I checked the you know the voicemail, I kind of knew what was going to happen because the last time I got a call, it was from somebody on the board, and and they said, hey, you know, you didn't make it this time. This time I got. Uh, a phone call from the person running the selection panel, Janet Cavandi. And, and, and so at that point I knew, okay, this is the person that sends the good calls. So, (laughs) So when I was finally speaking to her, I, you know, the heart had stopped racing a little bit, but it was checking that message. That was the, uh, my heart was jumping out of my chest. But as soon as that happened, um, I immediately did not call Katie. I, I, I hopped on I walked over so I met her in the office we closed the door and I said guess what <laughs> <laughs> and she was excited and I don't know you may have hit me or something <laughs> no I don't believe you I, yeah probably yeah really yeah
0: <laughs> just because of going through the experience before right now yeah. it comes it comes around again and you're hoping but you know now it's the real deal you got it i mean so
1: we i say we because we submit my applications Mm. Um, (laughs) uh, so we submitted the first one in 2003 so it had been a long process of submitting applications and waiting and getting rejected and submitting again and
0: um but that's just kind of how it goes It's all worth it. You're right about to fly. I want to end with one more question. And since Katie's here, you know, what is, how are you guys preparing the family for this journey?
2: We're watching a lot of Star Wars. (laughs) 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 Look what Daddy's going to do. Probably going to go see the new movie soon.
1: Okay. That's that's probably, you know, it's trying to make it more familiar. Mm. Um, Because, you know, the boys are young. And, and trying to make it less scary and more exciting. Mm-hmm. And I think the way to do that is just make it more familiar. So we've watched some of the recent launches um, on NASA TV uh, and they've had the opportunity to come over to Star City and visit so they could see where I was training oh, and they can see, hey, this is the capsule that dad's gonna sit in. And, and I take pictures and, and send them back and show them everything that's going on. So hopefully they've got an appreciation of what's gonna happen and then they can just be super excited when they feel the roar of the engines and and uh, watch me streak off
0: into space. Yeah, That's I have I have no doubt that they will.
2: We but. are uh, we're also trying to make it not scary. Mm. So we're talking a lot about how the system works and what the different stages are and what they're gonna see and. Um, and just kind of trying to explain to them that yeah this is a dangerous process but this is how safe it is Mm -hmm. and kind of explaining that to them so they're 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 kind of engineer minds they like to know how things work so as soon as they understand how the stuff works they they've seemed to be a little more confident and okay with the with the situation plus we just built the um
1: the Saturn V. The five. Saturn V out so of So we built it a Legos, and then we so. talked about all the systems, and, oh. and they were like, oh, okay, now oh, we get it. Yeah, putting it together. That's
0: great. All right, well, um, I th- I'm very excited for your mission, Nick. Thank you thank so you. much for joining me. And, and Katie, yeah. thank you for stopping by. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. actually a huge honor to break like not they are, EV, but they are Never used to. Welcome to space. Hey, thanks for sticking around. So today we talked with Colonel Nick Haig about his expectations before his flight and his uh, journey to actually become an astronaut. And of course, thank you for Katie Haig for stopping by. So you'll be able to follow Nick on his journey to the International Space Station. He's going to be on Twitter at AstroHague. Uh, You can also go to the International Space Station accounts uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we'll be sharing his story there. And if you have a question for Nick or maybe a question for us and you'd like to submit an idea or suggestion for the podcast, we're using the hashtag AskNASA. Just make sure to mention it's for Houston. We have a podcast and we'll bring it on a future episode. This episode was recorded on June 29th, 2018. Thanks to Alex Perryman, John Stoll, Pat Ryan, Bill Stafford, John Streeter, Brandy Dean, Kelly Humphreys, and Sandra Jones. And thanks again to Nick and Katie Haig for coming on the show. We'll be back next week.